This episode of At The Bar is recorded on the lands of the Ghana people and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm Jane Gretch and welcome to At The Bar, a podcast about running a dance studio, the highs, the lows and everything in between. As a dance studio owner, business coach, leadership expert, and the founder and author of Dance Step, a dance student teacher education program, my mission is to educate, encourage, and empower all I serve. Each week, I'll share a mixture of solo episodes and interviews, sharing ideas, hopefully making you smile, and reminding you that you are not alone. So, what are we waiting for? Join me at the bar. Welcome back to the bar. Miss Jane here. Always happy to have your company and thrilled today because I've called in back up for this episode um, and asked my friend Caitlin Haig to join me back at the bar. I first introduced you to Caitlin in episode 28. Caitlin's got talent, so um, that episode provides a little bit more background. Our special guest today, hello, Caitlin. Hello, Miss Jane. How are you? Good, good, good. Good to see you and thank you. Um, we were just having a little chat and uh, we've got a, a juicy topic to unpack. And when I, and they're off the back of some questions, and when I was reading them, I was like, I think Caitlin's got some value to add because um, just remind the listeners if they, they haven't, heard episode 28 how long you've had your studio for uh, so I've been the owner of Bowside Dance in Brisbane for uh, just over eight years now mm. um, we started uh, from scratch so my first day I had seven students and then we uh, now have a, a lovely building with four studios and we hover around the, the middle of the 500s give mm. or take um, you know, pending how, how the season's going and how uh, dodgy COVID is at the time, basically. So, um, yeah, so it's a busy place, our studio, yes. It is, it is. And, you know, hats off to you. It's, um, I've, I've been so honoured to be um, a little, little tiny part of your journey and watching from afar and watching this growth, but also how you manage it with, with grace. It is a big business, you know, um, people often say to me, Oh, you're like, oh, a dance studio, and I think... Yeah, isn't that cute? <laughs> ain't that cute? In mm. fact, just yesterday I was, I was um, having a conversation with someone and I said, you know, at, at my studio's peak, and it sat there for about five years, um, we had 900 kids, much, much bigger than most primary or secondary schools, and when I think about how lean we were able to run that in terms of how much support and how much money, which is our topic for today, goes into those those primary and secondary schools. I think we should all um, give ourselves a little pat on the back because it's Absolutely. a lot. It's a lot, mm. and it's a lot in terms of money in in mm -hmm. this enterprise going. And today's conversation is about money, and it's not necessarily um, directed to studio owners of larger studios because I think probably more than actual numbers we're going to find ourselves talking about mindset which is um you know we've all got a mind 
mm-hmm. and I think that's where we're going to end up. But I don't want to. I don't want to kind of put words into your mouth. Let me introduce the the question. So I've got, as you know, uh, a Facebook group called the Collective for Dance Studio Owners, which is free to join. And we got a really great question a little while ago now. Um, and then off the back of that, into my inbox, I got another question. So the first one is about, um, I guess, your experience, my experience, on setting the precedent that the studio is a business rather than a not-for-profit. Um, in this question, the poster has said, it seems parents don't like the idea that costumes are marked up, as well as competition fees. You and I both know it all takes admin time and money to source, organise, not to run at a loss, yada, yada, yada. Um, she has made a little point here, and this is probably more for you to, to riff on than me. It doesn't help that competitions provide the entry fees publicly, and then parents see an admin fee on top of that. Um, how can we change this mindset? So that's part one. And then part two is about managing um, employees and maybe what they might be thinking when they see us make a profit. So we'll, we'll get there next. Let's let's go here first. Just off the back of that, you got any kind of initial responses? So many thoughts. So <laughs> many. Where, where do we start? Um, so I think the, the first thing to, that sort of comes to mind is um, that it is... Um, like the the post the person who posted this question is not alone in um perhaps the the mindset that um you know they are they are trying to run their business like a business but perhaps they feel that there's a perception that um for want of a better word that it's a charity mm-hmm. um or a not-for-profit or, or whatever you want to call it um so sometimes the reason that people might feel that way I think maybe comes from uh, the fact that we're dealing with children Mm. um, and that we are providing a creative service um, and that in some cases like when you're dealing with like activities that provide um, that are for children so children's activity providers might be not-for-profit so things like the football club or the soccer mm-hmm. club or, or whatever um, they may be a not-for-profit service so they may or a, a club or, or whatever so they may have access to um, community grants or other funding or things like that so they may not necessarily be like a user pays type system um, other activities might be run through schools so um, if there's like a school dance team for example Mm -hmm. the school may not actually be paying that teacher to come in at 7 a.m and run that class that teacher is doing that as part of their obligation to the school to run an extracurricular Mm -hmm. activity unpaid often the case yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. is in their contract absolutely so um so when the school um you know advertises that their school dance troupe is only fifty dollars a term or they only have to pay the costume high fee or whatever um that teacher's wage is not part of that fee so mm-hmm. uh, whereas we are definitely paying our stuff we are paying our rent we are paying our insurance we are paying our music lessons we are paying seventy five thousand other things all yeah. the things um, and that can be hard to um communicate to people that it's not just the the top part of the iceberg it is everything else that is seen underneath um but having said that Sometimes I don't think you need to communicate that to people. So I know there's there's the possibility of that perception of um, 
that you know we should be providing things at cost or for free or, or whatever potentially um the way that that we've kind of worked around that um is not jump not at all to jump up and down and say we're a business not a not-for-profit we are a little more um tactical in the way that we structure our pricing and things like that so things like for our performance teams instead of every time there's a competition charging a competition fee plus admin fee or Mm. um a costume fee plus a costume you know chunk on top for to cover our costs we charge a package yes so the way that we explain our pricing is that this package covers blah 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 yes if people if i've never had anyone ask me for the breakdown of the package no. um but i just wouldn't give it i would just no, say no. this is what is covered yes so, so that um, kind of is the opposite to what perhaps sometimes people are counseled with well you know show them what they're getting show them all of the different things you're you're kind of going the other and it's not smoke and mirrors and i and i used your same tactic as well um it's this is this is what you're this is what you pay and it covers all you need yes absolutely do you think um it comes down to because you you mentioned here about not not kind of going on about well you know we well we are a business and we've got costs to cover i've always taken a little bit more of a subtle approach as well because I don't ever like um, falling into what I refer to as victim mode and I feel that I do if I'm getting defensive so if Absolutely. I'm having to defend myself um, I'm like oh it doesn't you know it just I don't know it looks a bit to me I, I, I'm not p- particularly comfortable with that I don't like being in victim mode I don't like having to defend my decisions Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, well, I, I have found if I've got really good parents, and when I say good, I mean like the ideal fit, who trust me, I, I don't really have these problems. When I, mm. when I have parents that aren't the ideal fit, then I find I'm having conversations like this. And mm. I'm like you, I'm not going to give them a breakdown, just like at the restaurant for your chicken parmigiana you know how much is ham how, how much, much is the course, cheese how much is cheese <laughs> right you yeah. don't you just buy no. it for, for yeah. 22.95 yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i think um when we do get defensive um that's when we want to come out and have and justify our decisions mm. and and we actually don't have to we can say you know if you get the email saying you know, why is it advertised that the competition price is $50 on the website and you're charging me 75 and you can go, that's yeah. what we charge. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. yeah I, I find too, it's sometimes those questions are maybe not necessarily actually about the money either. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that that question is about something else. Mm-hmm. potentially so maybe they're you know I don't know not happy about doing that competition mm. or not happy about something else and you can and they kind of like slide in the money thing as a extra yeah. point yeah um and I think we often get a little bit um flustered when it comes to talking about money because it, it's a little bit like sex you know it's a little bit taboo it's not like comfortable it's a bit on the is edge, it isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> 
And I think sometimes people will bring it up as a bit of a power play mm. in that, oh, I might, I might make her feel a little bit uncomfortable here. I might make her squirm um, because that's, that's, their, that's about them and, and mm. not, not you. I would yeah. make a comment about, you know, if you want your parents to view this as a, as a business, then that is a cultural thing that the leader must set, right? So where the leader goes, so yes. goes the culture. And so if you as the studio owner are saying on in one breath, you know, the studio is a business, but acting in another as if it's a, a sporting club that relies on volunteers, Mm-hmm. Then you're sending really mixed messages. Now I don't want to say I've never I don't use volunteer hours. I do. Mm-hmm. I use I use parents backstage at a performance. Mm-hmm. I have some parents that come in for our annual hot and steamy party. Oh, it does sound like I've got something on the <laughs> on the mind. On the brain. Where uh, <laughs> mm, it's just hot glue and steam. Um, you know, to help out. So but it's not the business's success is not reliant on volunteer hours. Mm, Do you have any thoughts, I guess, just on on that? Yeah, I discuss this with my leadership team often, Mm. um, is that, um, you know, we we are a business, so we we don't need to rely on volunteers in order to make our business happen. Mm. Um, There are some activities that are more community-focused that um, will require, that can have a um, a volunteer element to it. and we you know we thank those those people profusely for for helping in in those circumstances um but uh in most things we are paying our staff to turn up and we're paying Mm. professional people to be there um and to run the whether that's the concert or or whatever um uh, to run it as an event that is that is operating as as a business um and so that follows through in everything that we we do mm. um, and that we um, run everything with our systems and procedures and all those kinds of mm. things. And we're not um, constantly asking for um, time from other people in events where we would be seen to be making a profit yes. potentially. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're very even like community is one of our values as well at my studio. So yeah, it is it yeah. is something that we we value for sure. Um, but I'm very very limited in my use of volunteer hours and things like that. So um, mm. yeah, mm. and it it is kind of this this is where the mindset comes in, isn't it? Because I I think you know I've always set my business up as my studio up as a business right from the beginning. And so, therefore, I've held myself to a really high standard because I think, well, people are paying for this. Yes. Um, and I want them to value it. You know, mm. that their hard-earned money, and I, I want them to see the value in what they're buying. And so, therefore, I've always operated um, to that uh, the standard of which I would expect if I was paying. Um, yes, and I'm absolutely. Not, yeah, I'm not suggesting that others are slacking off or being unprofessional. But no, definitely not. I, th- I think there is, it comes down to all of our communications as well as our mm. invoicing, you know, the, the way we speak to our parents, mm. the way the words we use, the tone we use, and I mean verbally and in written form. Um, yes. At the end of the day, these are our customers, not just our members like at a club. Mm. And even yes. then, I mean, um, 
we would hope that there would be a certain amount of respect involved. But yeah, um, yeah, I I think we need to set the tone, and that that will increase the trust of our customers in us, and therefore, when they do receive a bill, that they will trust us enough to know that we're not ripping them off, but yeah. also that they could see. I mean. People aren't blind. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories, right? You know, everybody's out there thinking I'm making, and I used to, I 100% used to think, you know, if I got a new car, everybody, you know, I'd drive through the car park and everybody would say, oh, well, she's doing well. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's not my problem, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really funny the stories we tell ourselves about money isn't it mm. you know unpacking our our feelings oh. about money and other people's feelings about money is um yeah it's very interesting and i think for me i can not only speak you know really on behalf of myself and even then it can be a bit dodgy but for me i was a bit of a martyr because i did think that you know i loved what i did I was mm-hmm. working with children. I felt blessed, like that was mm. almost enough. And who am I to then make a profit off this? I'm doing what I love. But there is no mission without the money. And mm. I work really hard. And so I should. Absolutely. No impact without to. income. No. Oh, we've got all the phrases there. Put those in my stories. Sound right? <laughs> <laughs> But I think I had to come to that first before I could really um, justify, I guess, I had to justify it to myself before I would need to to others. And And interestingly, I have never had to justify the profits my business make since I have reconciled with myself. Absolutely. I think... Um you know, a lot of studio owners are females as well. Mm. Um, so I think we, um, in particular females, have interesting um, associations with the word profit or mm. with making money um, and with um, what we potentially define as success in terms of monetary success for ourselves and our businesses. Um, so I think we often will undersell ourselves because we think, oh, somebody's not willing to pay that much or we have one or two people that, you know, we think we're charging appropriately and we have a couple of people that question what we're charging. Um, it's, I mean, there's so many experts in, in this area that, um, you know, if, if people are listening and finding themselves um, going, oh, that's an interesting area for me to unpack. There's quite a few money experts around Thank who you. can help you unpack your stories. Mm. Um, but yes, it is something you have to reconcile with yourself, isn't it? That mm it's okay for me to make a profit and that profit is not a dirty word that with that income I can have impact in my community um you know if if you're not able to feed your family or if you're not able to um feed yourself yeah or or whatever like (laughs) you can't serve anybody else um so yeah it's it is your responsibility to look after yourself um and to look after your business um, and to ensure your business is here in the future, which requires making a profit. Mm. And just just profit's not a dirty word either. No, no. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I think the thing is sometimes as you're going through that journey for 
to be able to go, yep, profit's not a dirty word. I'm okay with making profit. I, I, um, you mentioned a couple of, you know, references to some money mentors. Um, Denise Duffield Thomas, who I refer to all the time, says, I serve, so I deserve, you know. And the first time I heard that, I was not comfortable with that. I was not. I was like, I serve because that's what I've been called to do. And now, guess what? Full circle. Um, I, I do serve my community very hard, but I also have a responsibility for my family and providing for them. And I want to set them up as well. Um, and But the problem is, even if you've done a lot of this work, is that like everything, there's little triggers around the place yes. and, and it can throw you back. I once had a, a student in class and I don't even know how you know how you, you're like, how did we even get here? <laughs> We're meant to be doing Batamon Frappe. How did, so I can't even tell you how we got here. But he said something like, um, yeah, and, you know, it was all very ha-ha-ha because she was 13. Ha, yeah, because my dad says we probably would have paid off your mortgage by now. <laughs> mm. And I was Isn't like, that nice? F you, you bastard right paid off my mortgage you've paid for my time and my expert and i i mean obviously i didn't retaliate because that no not it was the child but Mm. it was like a little glimpse into that family's family's narrative about this um and it was probably dad was having a you know a moment (laughs) yeah but it i mean enough to it can be enough to make you question everything and go right back to the beginning and be like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's quite hard to say, um, and we might bring this up again in, in our second question, that you know someone else's money story is not your responsibility mm. either. Mm. So someone else's financial situation is not your responsibility to fix. So if they... Um, if affording dance classes or affording doing extra exams or whatever is not part of their... Um, or if your pricing for your business is not within their scope, mm. then it's okay if they're not your right customer as yeah. well. No, that is a Which is hard. Story. It is hard yeah. oh, to it say is that. Hard. Yeah, it is hard because, again, we are... Um, I loved when you, you kind of linked in the fact that, you know, females um, have a little bit more trouble putting value around um, what, what they offer out into the world. And so then if somebody's, and, and that linked with the fact that we often, uh, yes, people, we like to please, we want everyone oh, yes. happy. So please now, like me. <laughs> now we've got this, yes, please, please like me. Now we've got this double-edged sword. The first whack comes with, um, you're too expensive for me, you know, and the second whack is, so I'm leaving because I can't afford you, right? So it's like this... Oh, I haven't made them happy and I'm a, a nasty person because they don't have enough money. You're so right. Let's let's segue into the second part here about other people's money stories because the second question, and I'm just going to look at my notes, um, is around, the, and this is the one that came through on the email, the question was around... Um, my business makes quite a, a good profit. It supports my family. We're doing very well. However, um, and all my, my staff are paid um, very well. However, there are times where her employees make little comments about, well, if I worked elsewhere, I could get more hours and more money or I could get paid a higher rate if I was doing something else. 
um, and the the person that sent me this question is like well how do I deal with those do I just ignore them what what's going on here um, what again what are your initial thoughts in response to that yeah, it's challenging isn't it mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's very very difficult um, I think it's oh, I have so many thoughts um, so again other people's money is not necessarily your responsibility or other people's expenses i guess Mm. as well um having said that you 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 know as a studio owner you're you're going to be you know a compassionate person and and you care about your staff and you want them to be happy as well um i think in most cases our our teachers are all paid very well for their time Mm. um and um given a lot of um support as well so um, you know, a lot of the time teach, um, studio owners are supplying teachers with um, training and they're supplying teachers with um, the space and the tools they need to do the job, like music and music licensing mm. and all sorts of things like that. So there are a lot of expenses that you, um, you as a studio owner are, are covering um, as well as somebody else's, as well as, you know, a teacher's wage, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think... Would I would I discuss them? I don't really like confrontation, so I don't know that I'd go out of my way to probably bring it up again. Mm. Um, I think you know you could probably say part of me goes, well, if you would like to go elsewhere, go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, that's <laughs> part of my... me thinks that that's actually that is an option that you could say, um, and and sometimes people do, you know. Um, because you you can offer X, Y, Z, right? So mm. you can offer, I can offer you classes from four till seven on a Thursday night at, I don't know. Whatever amount. $30 an hour or whatever, whatever you're offering that, that at. Um, and they have accepted it, mm. right? So, so the employee has said yes mm. Mm. To, to the conditions of your work. So if they're then making a, a comment about it, I sort of, in, in part of it, I'm like, well, you did agree to it. Exactly, so, and that's that's where I was heading. You know, if, yeah. if you've got an agreement, that and oh. and I'm going to make the assumption that you didn't hold their hand and force them to sign it, then for sure. the, the time for discussion has finished until the next agreement is in place. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I've had these conversations with staff as well who've come to me partway through a contracted period and say, "I'd like a raise." And I'd say, you know, well, I I admire you for having this difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. However, nothing has changed in terms of um, where I sit. You know, we had an agreement. My my agreements are for a year, um, and I review them on an annual basis. I know some people do use um, like a financial reward in terms of honouring good performance. Um, I tr- have generally steered clear from that because um, I actually want people to do a good job because they want to do a good job. I know that mm. sounds because that's how I've always worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and perhaps the people that for that, you know, it's not enough, they do leave. But I think the mindset for the dance studio owner here is to either ignore that comment or say to you know say whenever they make that kind of comment say well you know 
you need to make the decision that's right for you and your circumstances. And if that means going elsewhere, then of course I understand. And and it's that's it. Because I feel like maybe when I got this question, uh, there's an element of discomfort that the employee is just not willing to have, right? Mm. You know, if everything was so bad here, well, why the hell are you still here? Oh, yeah. Because it's comfortable and it's pretty risk-free, mm. yet um, not that anybody has ever asked me as an employee, you know, well, why do you make X amount of money or, and I don't? But if, if they did, we're taking a risk, aren't we? You know, 100%. There is no get-out-of-jail-free card for us here. No. <laughs> if shit hits the fan and we get to hold it, Absolutely. Um, we can't just quit. Um, no. No, and we've I had that conversation be before. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just leave. No, and be like, bye. Even when you I'm want out. to. Yeah, yeah, even if you did want to. <laughs> and I think you should be rewarded for that in in financial ways and in other ways. But most definitely, I think the other thing that we've not kind of chatted on is the definition of a business is. Um, and I always go to say it, and I always think I should have looked it up again. But it's something like a commercial entity that turns a profit. Yeah, just, absolutely. Not just meeting its costs. That's not a business. That's just no. a nice thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hobby, really. That really is. Yes, and that's okay if that's, that's great. What you've if set it up for. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know maybe when I'm. 65 and and i've moved down to the beach i might like to have a little hobby ballet studio for three hours on a saturday morning but that's not what that's not what you've set out to do no no yeah i i just think you know for employees to even be having that like that little kind of one-liner to me you know how you said about the the customers it might be about mm. something else yeah I'm wondering if this might be the same there yeah absolutely and I think you know em- employees may they they may not have even intended it to be um taken the way that the studio owner has taken it mm. um you know it's uh we, we may have misinterpreted what what they're trying to say um but if it's a recurring theme, mm. um, I think that's when you could probably address it um, and go, hey, you've mentioned this a few times. Is staying mm. on board something you're interested in? Mm. Um, I have found yeah. very early on in my dance studio owner days, um, and I'm picturing me having this conversation, like the first conversation where a staff member did ask me for more money um, per hour and I fell into what I think might have been a trap <laughs> now that I'm a little older than wiser and I actually did the reverse of what we said right at the beginning of the um, podcast to our customers I actually itemized it I'm like you know you're standing there in front of the class and you're seeing 10 kids at $12.50 uh-huh. for half an hour and you're like well I'm getting 30 so she's getting however much and you know, you're not taking into consideration the rent and the electricity and the insurance and the work cover and blah, 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 blah. And on and on and on. <laughs> I'm just not sure I'd have that conversation the same way anymore. Um, no, I don't think I would either. Like, I think you can say, you know, that um, that the teaching is, is one part yeah. of what goes 
in financially in order for a class to happen. Mm. Um, it's a big part because you need a teacher for a class to run, but you also need a space <laughs> yeah. and the music, which needs licensing yeah. and the lights that need yeah. Yeah. to be, you know, and the air conditioning that needs to be paid for and serviced every year and, mm. and, 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 and the fire extinguisher um, that we hope we uh, use, <laughs> but we always have to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the software to mark your role and yeah. the receptionist out the front to, you know, take the mm. phone call when Susie's sick and all those kinds of things. There's, mm. um, I think you can make, you know, as, um, as uh, employers, we can make all parts of our business visible in that mm. way, um, and and not necessarily in like in a what is me way that oh I no. have to pay this or I have to pay this or but we can we can say oh um, you know please be mindful with the air conditioning that you are turning it off when you leave the studio and and those kinds of things because they are a cost that contribute to your business so mm. um, you know you can you can be conscious of including all those yeah. additional costs that help make our workplace more fun and more inviting mm. and more comfortable to be mm. an employee at as well. Yes, because I um, always eat all my chocolates that I put in the, the staff room. I've <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, put out, I put out lollies that I thought would last a whole term and they lasted a week. <laughs> well, I've got a hot tip about chocolates in the staff room. Um, we generally pull, you know how teachers get a ridiculous amount of chocolates at the end of the year, mm -hmm. we generally try and pull a few of those tins together and quite often the studio will get like a yes. gift and we're like, mm. well, who gets that? I don't want it. I'm going to sit around on my bum all of January. I don't need to also be <laughs> stuffing it with Rose's chocolates. Yeah. So, yes, that can, that generally gets us through till about Easter because we'll yeah. ration them out in the staff room. Yeah. But, you know, it is, it is all of those little things, isn't it? Mm. Um, oh, I had something else to say about all of that, but now I'm just thinking about chocolate and I can't remember <laughs> what it was. <laughs> um Yes, it is It is a lot. It is a lot to kind of take all of it in. But I really do think if you can get comfortable yourself with this idea of it's okay to make money, that's where you mm. first started, Yes. then maybe all of the these things become easier. Oh, I remember. I think they become less triggering. Yes. So I yes. think if, no, if yes. you're comfortable with the fact that you, you serve, so you deserve, mm. um, it, it becomes easier to go to to lay the responsibility on well I have offered you X you have agreed to X if that's no longer suitable then you know yeah, yeah. and, so and it's it. not an emotional conversation it's just no. a conversation yeah. it's just yeah absolutely yeah I know where I I got a little bit unstuck about five years ago I started um, and I've done a workshop a, a monthly workshop around this about using budgets and mm. so the money side of things became a lot more transparent than perhaps mm -hmm. it had been in the past. Um, as you know, Brian has worked in the studio for about eight years as the, the chief financial officer. So he's done all of the balancing of the book work, paid the wages, you know, that kind of seen, seen the balance sheets. So that's, that's not been a problem. But when we work in budgets for performances, for events, for exams, for anything, it's really obvious um, and I think actually that has worked in my favour even though I had to get over the fact that at the bottom there should be an amount in profit and for a performance 
if mm. if you are running to a, a project plan and to a budget, which is what I coach, it mm -hmm. should be it should be a decent profit. Um, mm. It's a massive project, and it should pay your downtime. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's coming up afterwards but yeah i felt a bit icky about having that number on the page it is a while. little bit um confronting isn't it mm. it's a bit like um because you're often you know, quite showing close. someone your underwear drawer yes exactly <laughs> yeah yeah did you know like i'm what up yeah yeah oh, um wow. but i think i think you and i have talked about this before that um there's there's probably a way that you can describe that that bottom line profit margin mm. um, that's not necessarily that that's going into your pocket as a studio mm. owner um, because you know there's things like taxes and all sorts of bits and pieces that need to be paid from that profit anyway. Mm. Um, so um, yeah, I think you um, it is it does become a bit confronting when you, when you're getting teachers or, or staff members to that higher level and they are sort of starting to see mm. um you know budgets and things like that that do deal a little more with the financial side of things yes um, and to be clear like my teachers don't see those documents no neither do well, mine either no, so no. very no nice. it's only only our leadership teams that Absolutely. are probably dealing at that that higher level yeah. um but the first time is it is a bit confronting mm. when mm. when you're like you know the effort that we're but the effort that we're going to needs to yield a result and one of those results might be a financial result yeah yeah absolutely um, and you know also, other projects might have an artistic result but um yes you know yes and you still a lot of projects that. yeah yeah yes absolutely um, also you know often uh there's an area for financial performance in um your vision story as well which is another kind of component for I guess dance studio success that I really am an advocate for. Um, so you know, in previous uh, in previous visions that I've written, I've said you know I do want to see an increase in overall profit per annum by X amount, um, and we'll often put well why because not always but some of the time portions of that will go back into you know I I want to repaint the studio and. That's not coming out of my wage. We actually need surplus funds for that. Or Absolutely. I want to, you know, renovate or move studios, which mm. is going to cost, you know, a huge amount of money and I don't want to go into a lot of debt. So sometimes that can be helpful too. But I did find with budgets, because it was after I got over showing everyone my knickers. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're close here, you know, we're close. Yeah. Um, the transparency of uh, a budget document actually really is quite eye-opening literally i'm getting the giggles here but you know <laughs> with so many hidden costs then laid mm. bare it they like oh wow even the gst component you know mm. 10 of 10 percent a, a lot when it's a big <laughs> chunk yes big chunk it's a big chunk um and they also got quite surprised at wages and then i you know, when I've built budgets, I've got more and more comprehensive with them. I've put things like their super guarantee now mm -hmm. separate because I want them to see it when we're having, there are no hidden costs. We have to cover all of these things. So absolutely. in some ways, yeah. yes, it's a little bit like, <gasps> but in other ways, you know, once you've done it once. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to maybe help them see as well, like if, if, if in particular they're taking lead on a project to see like well how much um 
is my, is that person's time going into that project how much is that actually yielding mm. Mm. um you know how because if you're spending a lot of time doing a project that is new or is ad hoc or is very expensive and it doesn't yield a lot in terms of a percentage of profit down the track, if part of the goal is to is to be a yeah, financially viable mm. um, you know, project, then that can be quite confronting for someone to see and go, oh, we put in 500 hours of work and we made $500. Mm. Well, maybe that's probably maybe not that worth wasn't it. the best use of our time. You know? <laughs> Glad yeah, we all had a good absolutely. time. Yeah. <laughs> no, this has been this has been great and I knew it, I knew it would. I knew um, that uh, you'd get me thinking and I, I knew you'd bring some good thoughts to the table for others as well and um, I do think it's a very large piece of the puzzle to to get right. Um, mm. but it, it is ongoing work as like most things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think stay, you know, I don't want to kind of fall into cliches and I was about to say, you know, if we just stay in our lane and keep looking ahead, but there is truth in that, isn't there? You know, try not mm-hmm. to be looking at things like the prices of the studio next door. Try not to survey for um, others. Often it is in Facebook groups, you know, how much mm-hmm. would you charge for? Well. I don't yeah, know how that's, helpful that is because... No, I don't know that it's the correct pricing strategy, mm, you mm. know. Because it um, can kind of undo a lot of your work because then you're dealing with those people's money stories. You know, if I'm, yes. if I'm surveying a group and saying, well, how much should I charge for my heater rabbit workshop and somebody says 50 and somebody says 5, well, how helpful is that? I've got a budget mm. spreadsheet. It's going to cost me... $10 a head to run so I'm going to charge 20 like I think it just you know try and yeah. be factual <laughs> and take the take the emotion out of it you know mm, money can mm. be so, such an emotional thing for mm. all of us um, because of our, our own money stories I think mm. if you can remove the emotion from it in any conversation about it um, yeah. then that makes things a lot easier just um, a thing yeah yeah so um, Denise Duffield-Thomas, we've mentioned, um, we'll link that in the show notes. She she really has been game-changing for me in terms mm-hmm. of just, and just reading her books. She puts out a lot of content for, for free on socials. She um, does. Have there been any others to her that you've used particularly? That um, you yeah, there's, um, just in terms of like personal finance and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, looking at your, your own, um, money stories and becoming a financial adult um melissa brown Brown. yeah i think her name is yep so uh, her yes more money for shoes yes her instagram title (laughs) (laughs) um yeah she's she's really great in terms of um kind of a feminist finance slant um she's very savvy um she's a good one to follow and then um there's a, another lady, uh, Courtney Rogers, who is a great pricing strategist. Um, yeah, so she's she's very. Um, I believe it's the pricing on the cake. Uh, I like is her. Is her? Um, Look at these clever women. I know, aren't they savvy? <laughs> I love it. Um, so she's got some interesting interesting um, ideas around pricing for profit and pricing um, that you're not uh, undercutting yourself with your, your pricing strategies and things mm. like that. So she's an interesting one to follow as well. And it can just be as simple as following them because I think 
what happens is particularly I love I love Melissa Brown on Instagram because she's there talking about you know um, investing and making smart financial decisions there's another one I um, follow um, called property uh, property over Prada I think it is mm-hmm. yes yeah. yep because um, I love real estate and mm-hmm. yeah so I think just surrounding yourself with language that is positive around money if you do struggle a little bit can be empowering you can go no no this is okay yeah, yes so all of those would be worth a follow thank you so much caitlin let's let's leave it there i really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and being so open with all of us at the bar today thank you for having me miss jane my pleasure thanks for joining me at the bar to find out more about past episodes or how I can help you grow your own leadership or train student teachers, head to dancestep.com.au. Great leaders create leaders, and I'm here to help you be and do both. And please remember to rate and review me on your podcast player of choice. See you next time at The Bar. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 